robot. Elena, I'm going to slide this over to you. I wish I should turn mine. <sighs> yeah, make sure that's off. Can you make sure mine's off, actually? Okay, guys, we are rolling into another episode of The Candace Owen Show, and today we are talking about money. I personally love money. I love capitalism. People come at me all the time and, and try to make me feel guilty about the fact that I love success stories. I love to know that somebody started from the bottom and made it from the top, and this is different. This is kind of against the current of the trend today where everybody is trying to be a socialist, like there's virtue in poverty. Here to discuss with me another millennial who also loves money Nathan Latko, welcome to the Candace Owen Show. Candace, thank you so much for having me. I think we're gonna have a we're gonna have a lot of fun. I think we are too. Yes. I, I love that we both agree that money is not something that people should feel ashamed of. Not at all. We were, I mean, we were talking before we came out, and we're going. It's so funny. Bernie's like releasing tax returns, and he's getting richer. And he's going, "Oh my God, capitalism is working for me. I'm, I'm gonna go down in the Democratic polls. Like, what am I gonna do?" But it, I mean, it works brilliantly. Uh and, uh, and uh, you know, y y we have to have that in our country in order to get, you know, continued success. So. That's exactly right. I mean, there's a reason why so many people want to get into America, because when you talk about capitalism, you talk about free markets, what you're really talking about is opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like, I want everybody to have the opportunity to start from absolutely nothing in life. And because of either their great ideas mixed in with their hard work, that they're able to bring themselves into a, a wealthier status and then in turn take care of more people that are perhaps in poverty. Like, rich people are the people that are employing everybody in society, and yet somehow they get a really bad rep. Yeah. So I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on like Bezos. Cause like when I hear people hit him, right. I just think you have to understand when he quit his job and drove across the country. And I mean, you guys look on the web, you Google him, you see him at this scrappy desk with like, like crappy things. And you can tell he's hustling, launching Amazon. And I know he's, there's, there's months when he's like, can't make payroll. Maybe he's having to cover it with his own money. And now it's this behemoth. I mean, he would have never taken that risk right. in America if capitalism didn't exist. That's exactly right. And risk, that is such a big word. You have to take huge risks and you get huge reward. Yep. And people that take those risks are brave. Listen, Jeff Bezos, I like him. I like him as a true capitalist. I love his story. I think what he did was absolutely amazing and mm -hmm. that he now he's the richest man in the world. But the problem is that what happens sometimes with capitalists like him is that once he figures out how to become the most successful person, he tries to box everybody out. And mm -hmm. that's where we get in terms of globalists. And I don't agree with globalism. I don't agree with, with um, him buying up the Washington Post and, and now cre turning into almost his diary and trying to dissuade people from supporting other com companies. That That's when it gets a little murky for me. But in terms of that true entrepreneurial spirit where he came up with something that was genius and he figured out people are lazy and they'd rather have the boxes come yeah. to their door, brilliant. How do you build laws or kind of maybe adjust capitalism where he can build the success that is Amazon without going kind of the globalist route and then buying up all these other brands and assets to put under him? I mean, what would well, you we change? Have that. We already have those laws, right? Like yeah. they're, they're antitrust laws, right? We, we try to make sure that people can't box people out of competing with them. Um, and I think that that's something that we need to use more of, not particularly in terms of Jeff Bezos, but in terms of Google. Yeah. I always say like, I am um, I'm an unabashed capitalist, but I do think that Google should be broken up. Mm -hmm. I think they should be subject to the same antitrust laws um, of the early 1920s. And because they are now kind of buying up and owning everything and there is no competitive no, no competitor to Google and that's wrong. It's similar yep. with um, oil and JD Rockefeller. Yep. How, how would you split Google up? That's a, that's a bigger question than one that I'm prepared to yeah, answer But you're today. way smarter. Yeah. Like, you're, way, <laughs> yeah. you're way smarter than I was telling you before. Right. I'm like, I'm, I'm focused on getting rich. I don't know right. a ton about politics, right. but I love talking to people that are in different worlds than I am and capture their ideas. And if right. I love them, support the hell out of them. So like, I don't know where you would start. 
if you were going to try and split Google up. I don't know what you would do. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's that's an interesting conversation. It's one that needs to be had at a higher level and, and definitely in terms of the government because it's they are keeping competitors out and that's not free markets. And I know that, I, that you and I agree in a true free market system where people should be able to compete, person with the best idea win. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what has built this great nation. I, do you I, think it's the best idea wins? Should it um, always be best not, idea wins? Well, well, how do you define best? Mm-hmm. Is, it might not be the best idea. It could be the most convenient idea. Yeah. It could be, um, yeah. but ultimately, the best idea is the one that you're able to produce mass market. So, I mean, yeah. that's how I'm defining it. If you gave 10 people in America the exact same idea and it wasn't developed yet, um, they would all end in different spots based off how they chose to execute. So, how do you differentiate between what the idea is and how someone goes about executing well, it? Well, no, that, that's another component of it. So, I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't remove the individual from it because that matters too. It's also how hard does the person work? How hard does the person yeah. want it, right? Um, like, like you said, there are people that slept on floors to get yeah. to where they are. FedEx is another amazing American story where he really took all of the risk mm-hmm. um, and got all of the reward. So, um, and but we are right now creating, and let me know if you agree, a risk adverse society mm-hmm. where people don't want to take risks because they're being taught that there's something wrong with risks when they're in school. They should play it safe. You go to school, you then should go to college and rank up a ton of debt. Yep. That's what I did, 100K yep. in student loan debt before I even knew what I wanted to do because there was this pressure of if you don't do this, if you don't plug yourself into pick a society. Pick a major when you're like a, a freshman. Yeah, I'm like, pick a major. What, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to pick a boyfriend yeah. when I'm, like, when I'm a, a freshman in in high school and they're like you have to decide right now 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 mm-hmm. or your whole life is going to be over and what are they doing yeah. they're killing the entrepreneurial spirit no i agree with that you, you have to we have to celebrate the success stories of the fedexes of the bezos because that's what's going to drive the next round of entrepreneurs to want to go after that risk right and not go and try and rely on the old way of kind of getting a job but you're right i mean the whole the whole student debt issue for me is interesting because i had a lot of friends when i was in school and i don't know if this was the case with you but but they they were using loan to, I mean, and they, but they were not working hard. Right. I mean, I was flipping burgers at West End Grill at Virginia Tech, working hard, spending, you know, trying to not spend as much as I was making. So I had something to put to savings. And that's what allowed me to build a cushion to ultimately drop out, launch my company. And then, you know, in the book, page six, we hit a million bucks in sales. My tax returns in there. And, and that risk I would not have taken if I didn't just work hard, create that gap and save. And a lot of people just don't have that ambition today. Well, I, I also think it, it's two parts. It's not that they necessarily don't have that ambition, but that ambition is not celebrated anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, bizarrely, like I said, we're, we're creating this risk adverse society where people are acting based off of fear. Like they, they they have this faith that as long as they go to college, everything's going to be fine because you've just spent all of your time. The majority of, of us, I don't know if you did. I went to public school okay. and uh, yeah, a public, public school system. Yeah. And it was complete crap. It yeah. wasn't good. You weren't learning anything other than how to be fearful. Yeah. And but the but the faith that they gave you is. But if you listen to what we say and you go to college, everything's going to be fine because after you get college, up. you get a degree yeah. and you're going to get this all star job. So we're all just waiting. And you're not really competing. Yep. You're going to school and you're like, oh, I'm going to party for a few years and then I'm going to be rewarded with some stellar job. I'm going to move to New York City and I'm going to be great. And that's kind of the fake American mm-hmm. dream that is now permeated within society. Yeah. Why has that storyline been so – like why have people been so successful at selling that storyline? Who's permeating it? That's what I always want to know. Yeah. I'm like, why, why don't they want people to take chances and to take risks? And I think it's because they make a lot of money the other way. 
they? Who's they? They being oh, my two girls student loans who got paid. The government got paid, mm-hmm. right? Like, you don't I mean, think it's anyone in the colleges or in kind of the college infrastructure? I think or... it's an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. If I had made argument, I would say that it's an ecosystem. But yeah, them as well. Like, I mean, I mean, they're they can they can get you to take out fifty thousand dollars per year mm-hmm. for a meaningless degree, yeah. right? So they're getting paid. Everybody's getting paid, and who's missing out are the actual students. Yeah, or the debt lands, right? And, and I, then here's the second big question, right? Is if let's say that we move from cheap loans to let's just give it to everyone for free. What are the colleges going to do? They're going to increase tuition. They're going to increase because tuition. Because the government's going to pay for all the students to go. Right. There's no Talk such thing a, as free. Somebody's no paying for it. Someone's paying for it. I mean, this is what drives me crazy when I hear people talking about free education. Because ultimately what's going to happen is the colleges, there's no incentive for them to keep their prices low. Right. They just will, they'll just increase it. That's correct. Because there's free money. Right. And th- that's the first part. The second part is exactly what you hit is, I mean, you listen to these companies hiring a lot of people. I mean, I hired 40 people by the time that I was 23 in my company. And those included college professors, by the way, which that's I love. Amazing. That was the ultimate, like, you know, you higher education kind right. of thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I love you people, but you get the point. My, but, but, but the second thing here is I actually like a model like Lambda School. Um, I don't know if you've studied these guys. Are you familiar with this model no. at all? So basically it, it treats every student like an entrepreneur. So the way the college gets paid is it's free tuition, but they the, the students pay back 17% of their year one and year two salaries. I have heard of this. Yes. I have heard of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You probably heard of a different version. Right, it's right. It's the same thing. It's the same concept, yeah. Do you like this idea? I actually think it's a great idea. But aside from that, why do we put so much pressure on people to go to college? Like, is there nothing else to do but to go pursue a degree? Yeah. I mean, do we not believe in the trades anymore? Like, yeah. can people not work with their hands? I'm actually for experience. I think you learn the most. You don't learn the most about what you're doing in a classroom unless you're doing something like you want to be a doctor, right? If you want yeah. to be a doctor, yes, you belong in school. We don't need you experimenting on a yeah. human body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You um, go first, I'll yeah, go after. But, but in terms of all of these other professions, imagine if you had an, an internship type program and, and now they're starting to clamp on that and the government's really starting to control that. But the most experience you could possibly get is via an internship. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Go do that. Go yep. actually work under somebody and learn Try about it. and figure out if you even like it. Yep. Half the time you go through that, you four years of a degree, you get into, um, into the profession that you want and you're like, I, I hate this why, no. why did I even major in this I don't want to do this for the rest of my life and then what do you you've just lost four plus years and you haven't even started your life you're in debt yep. and and I and there's not just, feel it's just any four years by the way these like these can crucial. be the most productive yeah. four years of your life right, right? not married you don't have any yes. children you no can risk. move you can jump on a plane you can go anywhere you yep. know you should not owe any money and they take that from you mm-hmm. they take that from you and and then you're starting your life behind and I'm bitter towards this because I started my life a hundred thousand dollars plus in student loan debt. Mm-hmm. I didn't have parents that could help me pay for anything, but I took out, signed a bunch of things I didn't understand. I was 17 yeah. when I signed them. Um, and they knew that, right? You know, yeah. Sally May knew that I, nothing I was, that I knew didn't know what I was signing. I was say, who was selling you on those loans? Your parents or Sally, Sally May? Sally May, right? Because I had parents that didn't go to college, right? So, and, and this is who they appeal to. They appeal to those families that they think are less educated, who have no experience with it, that can't help these children. And they say, well, we'll, we'll get you, we'll give you the money. You come from a poor family. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately I was a first generation college student. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just said, I have to go, I have to go, or my whole life's going to be over. Because and... your parents were like, Candace, we can't wait to see you like do it and be the first right. one. The... Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you felt that like. The pressure, got to yeah. go, got to go. Yeah. And of course it wasn't worth it. And and I, I've always been much more of an entrepreneur. And if I had believed in myself, which I think ultimately society is is selling a lack of self-confidence, yep. um, I might have been able to make something of myself sooner. Yeah. Well, I think you're doing pretty well. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> I, then I decided to do a YouTube channel, which I could have done years ago. I could have started I know, a YouTube it's, channel it's fascinating. years ago. I mean, if, if you have the right mindset, like an abundance mindset, 
And and this is, I think, part of the issue with this kind of like fighting atmosphere we see in the press today is everybody wants someone to blame for why they're not doing well. Right. So they'll blame Donald Trump. Right. right? But it's the problem is Trump. like it's always something, right? right? And by the way, if it's not Trump, it's like something else. But like the point is, is like that is really a reflection of a mindset, which is a non-abundance mindset where you're blaming somebody else. And ultimately, the way I look at it is like no politician is ever going to make or break me. Right. Right. So hustle, go win, and then support people that you agree with generally in terms of politically, right? And then, you know, but don't but don't use it as an excuse. Right. Right. I mean, there's so many. We're both 29. Right. We're gonna still, you know, still, still 29. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, happy birthday. Yeah. Happy <laughs> <late> birthday. Okay, <laughs> I turned 30. Okay, okay. Everybody knows now. Uh, but so, <laughs> 29. And I mean, you and I both have friends. I mean, I have friends where they will say, Well, Nathan, the reason like I'm broke and I have no money is because like, you know, Trump is so mean to me. And I'm like, what what does that even mean? I know, I know. What does that even, it doesn't mean any, it's just an excuse. So um, I think that abundance mindset is critical. And, and the question I have really is how do we reinstill this like abundant, um, ambitious mindset into our young people? Right. right? And I think it starts with people making it okay, making it okay to talk about money, mm-hmm. right? They treat it like this is some evil thing and that it must be destroyed. People that pursue money, that pursue success. And I've always, from the time I was a little girl and I grew up with nothing. And I remember going to um, a girlfriend's house when I was in kindergarten and I lived in a low income housing structure and we went to her house and it was massive and it was big and it was wealthy. Her name was Lindsay. I'll never forget this. And I remember walking in just being like, wow, how can I have this? Yes. What an important question. I wasn't bitter. I was too young. You yes. know, nobody taught me to hate her because curious. she was white or hate her father because he was wealthy. I was curious. Yeah. And it early on instilled in me was this is this is a really curious thing. How come some people live like this? Other people live a different way. And ultimately, I said, no matter what in life, I want to be able to have something. I don't want to be worried about um, whether or not I can afford something. I want to work hard, and I want to earn a piece of this pie, too. And now the opposite is is taught. And people, when I began taking risks, would be like, oh, are you sure? You shouldn't do that. You know people told me, no, you can't. This is the way it should be done. What was the risk? I mean, they're just – ultimately, they're they're envious you're going to be successful. Well, I think they're genuinely – Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's a little bit of I knew her win. Right. knew her win. Well, I think because a lot of these people, now they're slaves to the nine to five, right? Mm-hmm. These are the people that are slaves to the nine to five. And when yep. they see somebody who finds within them, despite all of the years of being corrupted by a media and education system, which tells you that you can't, somebody that digs deep and finds that little golden nugget of confidence to say, I'm going to take a risk. Yep. They do become a little bit jealous and maybe a, a piece of them um, doesn't want you to be successful because they don't want to believe that, that they possible. could have, that, they, yes. that it's possible. then it makes them more comfortable to stay where they are. Right. Like that's the whole thing. I, I I have to, this was funny. We were talking about this backstage on page 243. Wait, let's do a shameless plug. No, no, I How hate to be, shameless. No, I hate no, no, shameless. No, let's, let's, I love shameless. Okay, fine, do it. How to be a capitalist Sell without the hell out of it, any though. capital by Nathan Latka, must own. Look okay. at that grin on the cover. Right, I mean, right. my gosh. He looks extra like Lord he loves mercy. money. I do. I love my money. My mom goes, Nathan, she's a cowgirl. And <laughs> she goes, Nathan, why do you, like, you're rich, but you have no socks? That's actually very in. Nobody wears socks in Palm Beach. It's a trend. Get with it. But she's like a cowgirl in Denver. (laughs) But anyways, no. On page 244 in the book, I'm like, you know what? This isn't going to be a theory book. I'm going to put screenshots. And so this was back. This was my pay stub. I started paying myself. Uh, in uh, when I was, I guess I would have been a junior or senior in college at Virginia Tech at this point. And so you see the pay here, uh, October 15th, right? And I was making at this point, there was 24800 bucks, you know, about a third of the way through the year. And there were so many people. Um, I mean, I was still in school at this point. I hadn't dropped out yet. And they're going, wait, how are you living in like the nicest apartment 
in Blacksburg, Virginia. And like, how are you spending all this money? How are you doing all these things? And I'm going, well, because I took a risk. I saved up flipping burgers, which right. no one saw. They think it's like overnight success. I flipped burgers. Now I can pay myself this money. And then ultimately what's funny is like, you know, you live in one of the biggest things I think that our generation has troubles with is actually saving money or like keeping their expenses low. Right. It's actually easy to make more money. It's way more difficult to keep your expenses low. So on page 94 in the book, I walk through how I negotiated the like the nicest apartment in Blacksburg, Virginia above the Lyric Theater, totally free by renting out a little corner of it to somebody else, which equaled my total rent for the whole place. Oh, that's brilliant. So I'm like, that's listen, brilliant. Yeah. Live, like, live like a king live like without a king. owning a thing. Owning right. a thing, right? Right. That's really smart. Yeah. And so you dropped out. I dropped out. Did you drop? You didn't finish. I, I didn't finish. No, my, my I didn't mean to. My senior year, my student loans got declined. So it was when they had the big collapse. So you still had to keep loans. even You didn't even get the framed receipt at the end. Didn't I mean, the diploma. The didn't you didn't get the thing. didn't even get the framed receipt. That's as a, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it, it was a bit ridiculous, but I'm happy it happened that way because it really put my back against the wall. Um, you know, because regardless, you have to pay them back. Six yeah. months later, no degree uh, to show for it. They will call you every five minutes and say, you owe me money, you owe me money. And it's a horrific thing to go through. It creates so much anxiety. You wonder why you went to school. Um, but ultimately, we're, we're animals. You're, you're either going to fight. Mm -hmm. um, it's good to have your back against the wall. You have to fight. You're, you're going to fight or you're going to sink under the pressure. And I chose to fight. Yep. Um, and I love it. Now it's a piece of my story. Um, I love I love being a college dropout. I think it's amazing. It's great. Yeah, I want to show other people that don't let people make you believe that because you don't have a degree that you can't do something with your life. In fact, the people that do the most tend to not have degrees. I'm just saying. I know. Right? Totally, Steve Jobs. Totally I mean, the, you go through the list of the people that- Dates, jobs, every, I mean, every majority. Single, every single one of them did not finish a degree. And I'm not glorifying it. I'm not saying like, uh, you know, oh, you, you should be dropping out of school and taking risks. But if you have an instinct and you know what you want to do, um, take a risk. 100%. When you're, especially when you're young. 100%. Don't you, be you scared. You can afford it. Yeah, yeah, I know a lot of students it. graduating right now and they're going, Nathan, like I read your book. Like, what do I do? I'm like, listen, don't force yourself into a job. A lot of their friends are like, you know, they're going, Nathan, my friend just got a job at Goldman and I feel so like, right. I don't have anything. I'm like, listen, don't cloud like your calendar with a bunch of shit in a full-time job. Let yourself be free for a little bit and right. just wander a little bit. Meet new people, travel a little, but keep your expenses low. Stay in the $30 a month, a night hostel, right. right? When you go to Europe, don't stay in the $300 like a night, you know, penthouse, right? Keep your expenses low, meet new people. And the chances you bump into something you're passionate about will drastically increase. That's so true. And then you go all in. Yeah, travel. I say that all the time. Travel, travel, travel. Figure out what it is you like, what impassions you, what gets you fired up, what gets you angry, what makes you sad. Yeah. I really think that's what the early 20s are for. Yeah. Uh, not be, being a slave to a system that doesn't even yet make any sense to you. 100%. Like, and, and so I have to ask you, what what was your business? So my business was called Heyo, H-E-Y-O. And it was a – Heyo. Heyo, exactly. I mean, great domain name, <laughs> right. right? Amazing domain name. So – we were basically what Squarespace or Weebly or Wix are today. They're like drag and drop website builders. We were a drag and drop platform for Facebook apps. Okay. So we helped thousands of brands launch Facebook applications, um, grew that company to about a million dollars in sales. And then I sold it in 2016 and then launched a podcast called The Top Entrepreneurs, where every day I have a CEO on and we celebrate capitalism. Right. I love that. Yes. I love like, that. Go all in. And it's like, I, I, like let's say you were a CEO, I go, Candice, what was your revenue last year? How much do you own? What was your last round valuation? Love it. We just go it, all in. So 
much. And this yeah. is uh, and not only do I, I I love money, I love the entrepreneurial spirit, but I love learning from rich people. My whole life, I, I was poor, yeah. so I learned from rich people, and I was very fortunate um, that you know, a Jewish private equity firm took a chance on me, mm-hmm. and I worked under these two Jewish men mm-hmm. that were just unbelievably like brilliant when it came to finances, and I learned so much from them. Yep. And they were willing to take me under their arm to show me certain things, um, how how they were saving because I was so in the trenches, how they were saving, what they were investing in, mm-hmm. and I I loved that. I celebrated that. There yep. was something that made me bitter. I was like, I want to know what you know. Yep. And and if people could change their mentality and stop being bitter towards rich people, they love to sh- they love to share. One hundred percent. And and I remember reading by the way, share in terms of teaching. They'll yeah, teach. teach. They will They'll teach, be so teach, open. teach. And yeah. not even that, but when you're around people, they love to give too. They yep. want to help you out. I mean, they they want to they want to tell you what you should do, what they did. They they love to share their experience. They love to share their time. Um and 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 yet they're regularly demonized. And I say I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for very successful people showing me how to be successful. Mm -hmm. So since you've talked to so many CEOs, what are some of the tips that they've told you? Yeah, I, I, first off, my number one person that I respect so much, the most successful, I'm in what's called B2B SaaS, business to business software companies. It's a guy named Robert Smith, African-American Robert Smith, the most successful. Is that his full name, African-American Robert no, Smith? No, just Robert okay. Smith. But I, but I point this out, you can find inspiration anywhere is my point, right? right. And, and this is a guy that hustled his way through Goldman, then found a client that he teamed up with. And now he has built Vista Equity, which is basically the third largest software company in the world when you add up all the things that he's bought. And when you study what he's built. It's incredible, but he's so private. So I just study his, like any little news bite about him or interview he does, study, 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 and you try and do like pattern recognition. So there's a couple things that I've recognized about the most successful CEOs. Love this. I've read so many of these articles. Yes. I love this. The, okay. fir- the first thing is you have to unapologetically copy. There's a reason that new ideas like don't actually really exist right. because a lot of stuff has already been done. Correct. Like once you're at like Elon Musk level and you want to go to Mars, okay, that's a new idea. Right. But for the rest of us looking to build wealth, you actually want to find something you see someone else executing that you think you can execute better and copy the damn thing quickly, fast, and aggressively. Love it. Okay. If everybody's listening, number rule number one, be a copycat. Yes. And don't be ashamed of that. that. Because your friends will go, oh. But didn't so-and-so already do that? Well, he's rich. Why don't I want to copy what he did? Exactly. Love it. I'll go take a piece of the pie. It's de-risk. Love it. It's smarter, right? Mm -hmm. The second thing is we, for whatever reason, are sold this thing. You touched on it. Like focus on one thing, which is crazy to me. So like if you and I were like chilling here in LA, driving across, are there bridges in LA? I don't know. But going over a bridge. Right. And there's a big, beautiful sign on this bridge that said, Candace, Nathan, just want to let you know, if winds hit 30 miles per hour while you're driving over this, this thing has one point of failure and it's going to collapse. We'd go, eh, it's a little windy today. We don't want to drive over this bridge. So it's so weird. You know, engineers, when they build bridges, there's like eight points of failure. That Eight things that have to go wrong at the exact same time right. for that thing to collapse. So why do most people build their lives around a single point of failure? One one job, one paycheck, one boss. It makes no sense. So right. you want to multitask. You okay. do not want to focus so on one thing. So this is interesting. Thing. I've seen it disputed both ways where some people say you don't want to do too much at the yeah. same time because then you're not pouring your 100% into one thing. But you're saying the opposite is true, which is that you should be a little ADD. You have to be. And and it comes under the saying of kind of jack of all trades, master right. of none. My argument is today masters can be replaced very easily. Oh, love that. So it's much better to be empathetic across many different lines of business, right. many different ideas, and then unite those people that are expert in those things to build I love that. And if you thing. truly believe in free markets and you do understand that masters are, are comp- constantly being taken down and somebody else becomes a master, and that's beautiful. That yep. means that we're moving forward as a society and developing new ideas. Yeah, masters are typically targets. Right. But someone who's yeah, a Jeff generalist. Bezos. Exactly. He's a exactly. Yeah, exactly. You become but number the, one. The puppet behind all of them never really becomes a target. So right. it's much better to be that person than the actual Bezos. Okay. Yeah. So have, we're, we're, you, we're driving on this. Do you have number three? Field. 
Number three is a lot of people, let me find an example here. Rolex spends a ton of money. Uh, they're not a sponsor of the show. Are they no Rolex sponsors no, here? Good. I wish. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they spend millions of dollars to put that thing on, you know, you know, Rafael Nadal's wrist during Wimbledon to sell the idea to viewers that your goal should be save up for the next Rolex watch. Right. Save 30 grand finally, then go spend on a Rolex. And so they incentivize, corporate America incentivizes us on these kind of goals. And what I argue is it's actually much better to, to build systems that produce whatever goals you want every single day. It's the difference between like, like focusing on the golden egg versus nurturing the golden goose. Right, right, yeah, right. Because what happens is once you buy the Rolex, then you start saving up for like the vacation you can't afford. Yep. And then the house you can't afford. It's much better to like every day do one or two things to build your system, launch a podcast, Launch, okay, now launch a video version of the podcast. Right. Now add like a sponsor salesperson to like start selling spot. Like you want to build these systems and they will produce golden eggs over and over without you thinking about it. So right. systems, not goals. Love that. Yeah. You have number four? Number four, you have to read the book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. You, you, Shameless you like, plug. Like. <laughs> yeah, right. I love that. Yeah, the point, the point though is like a lot of these things, the reason I came out is a lot of people that build wealth um, tend to want to protect it. Right. Which, by the way, I would do the same thing. If I was Bezos, I would do the same thing. You want to protect it. So they climb the ladder of success and then they complicate it so that no one else can try and That's what I was saying them. earlier. Like I appreciate that, but yes. then oh, trying to complicate it. I'm I'm really into like a true capitalist free market society. And I think it's beautiful. There's something really beautiful about yeah. the symphony of people moving in and out yes. and new ideas being overcome by better ideas. I love that. The mm -hmm. music of capitalism and free markets is beautiful. It's beautiful. You should write a song. I know, this right? This needs to be your intro. Dun, Every stage you speak on, it's a dun, capitalist. No, no, no. Dun. I think you and your husband have a little money ringtone thing you could probably use. To money. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> money, money. Yeah, something like that. It would work. But my, my point is like, they sold us on all these rules that are not true to right. make the ladder of success harder for us to climb. And these rules are things you have to understand and believe in. You have to break those rules to drive success. Rule number one, there are no rules. Disrupt. Rule number one, there are no rules. Right. So do, what I actually always say to, to people that work with me is that the one rule that I follow, and I can't remember, I actually don't even remember uh, which article I was reading. I was way young of like the, the five things successful people do. Mm -hmm. And it's to... Um, to consider yourself the average mm -hmm. of the five people you spend your most time with. This is a very difficult one for people to accomplish, especially in their youth. So if you are hanging out with a guy that is smoking pot on a couch and you are hanging out with a girl that is just on Instagram all day, you are the average of these people, right? Yep. So you need to think about who you surround yourself with. Pot smoking Instagram thirst trap. Right, right, exactly. This is a great life, You Candace. don't want to be in, in, in a pot smoking Instagram <laughs> thirst trap, okay? And so for me, I was always the girl that was, I want to hang out with people's parents. Mm. I was the, you know, I wanted to be like, what's your dad doing today? Because yeah. I wanted to learn from those people. And I and, and when I went off and I moved to New York, I, I kept myself in a climate of people that were smarter than me. Hold on, I did your parents teach you this? Be, no. Or did you I learned it in an article. You I read, read it. I don't it. remember if it was like Mark Cuban or it was some article that I read online and I said there has to be some truth to that. And I am so protective of my circle, my intellectual circle now. I love to be surrounded by people that I am dumber than. Can I, I ask love you, it. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, once you get smarter than them, there, look, there's always people you, you you should be aiming higher. Like my the person that I love to read is Dr. Thomas Sowell. Like mm -hmm. I think he is just absolutely brilliant. And I'm I just, totally unfamiliar, and I okay. feel so Larry insecure Elder, right now. Right. So like <laughs> when I have yeah when I have these people, and by the way, you can sometimes not be necessarily smarter than them. That you could just be very ignorant about one thing. Yep. Right. Like one element, which adds so much color to your life. You're like, wow, I never thought that I'd be having this debate. But I guess the point is, stay interested. Right. If you know everything that somebody's telling you, you probably are not going to reach your full potential is what I would say. And that can sound callous and that can sound cutthroat, but that's the one thing I did differently than a lot of my girlfriends. Like mm -hmm. I have girls that are like, been friends with the same people since I was 
nine and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then you see where their lives kind of ended up and they're sort of in this kind of, I don't want to say hometown rut yeah, yeah. and looking for more. But I was like, got to fly, got to flap these baby wings yeah. and see what else is out there. And I think that taking risks also means taking risks in your relationships. I agree. I'm horrible with relationships. Are you? You're much better than me, it yeah. sounds like. Do you like. think so? I'm, I'm horrendous at them. What do you mean though? But because I I I... I'm still young and I'm very transactional about a lot of what I do. Right. It's like, let me try and when I meet someone new, I try and figure out what do they want. I quickly try and identify, um, can I help them get that? And then I'm only willing to help them get that if I can identify something that like they can give me. And if I can't figure out that two way, I like, I disengage. But I don't know if that's bad. I don't think life is a series of transactions. Mm -hmm. You're constantly transacting with people, even in, in a marriage. Marriage is, is ultimately a transaction, right? There are certain things, if you if you, if you you believe in in marriage and the sanctity of marriage, that it, it, there's constantly a transaction that's happening, right? You decide that this person adds this value to your life. You're not going to be, you don't, you shouldn't be at least only the giver, yep. even in a marriage, right? Yep. You, there's something that you're sending and something that you're receiving. Yep. So I don't know if there's something bad. The word transaction, people don't like yeah but what it actually means is that you're sharing i, I want to help people get what they want and if yeah. i don't think i can help them do that i won't do it right otherwise I mean, then what's the point otherwise what's the point smoking yeah. pot and being on instagram 100 i mean that was the, that was a huge conflict actually my publisher random house we can fought a lot about the book because there were some things in here i mean i put like contracts in here that my lawyers were like you cannot put that in the book i mean you're right. gonna get sued i'm like listen there are so many theory books out there i have to put screenshots in here even right. if it means high risk because that's what's gonna enable me to help people get what they want yeah and that's the only way I could get myself motivated to write it. So, look, I think you're probably more mature with me in the relationship department. I have given myself a timeline. I'm 29 today. I'm going to keep traveling, meeting new people, and then I'll start dating again when I'm 32, and I'll, you know, get married at, like, 35 or something. But I'm right. not in a rush. Right. And it doesn't need to be. But yeah. what I'm saying is that I think that life is a series of transactions, and I think that people should understand that early on. And, and, and that's not bad. It sounds callous, and it sounds cutthroat, but I don't think that's a bad perspective to have. And I think it's really important that you make sure that in every transaction that you have, it is, in some regard, beneficial to you. Yep. Right? It has to be beneficial to you, and you want to be able to also help other people. But if you're, if it's just one way, then you're not doing too well. Yeah. So guys, the takeaway there is if you love this comb over and you want to rub your fingers <laughs> through it. <laughs> Look, I've got tons, shoot, shoot me a tweet. tons of ladies that follow my podcast that are looking and single. Good. And, and they, I mean, they might be polit more politically inclined, but the more conservative women tend to follow. I me, love so. a good debate. Yeah. I mean, I, I love debate. Do you so. consider yourself liberal or conservative? Here, here, oh, you're definitely here, conservative. Here's the thing. I love capitalism. Right. So and that makes I just think conservative. That the, the, yeah, the Democratic, I mean, the Democratic Party, first off, there just seems to be like a lot of incompetence. It's crazy to AOC? me. AOC? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like the other thing, though, that I struggle with is people love labels. And I never quite know. I never want to turn someone off from debating with me because they think I'm a label that I'm not. You are a capitalist. I am definitely that. <laughs> Label that is accepted. a label I yeah. will accept. I'm definitely a capitalist, but but I I mean look, there are a lot of people pushing me to look at the Senate the the 13th Senate seat in Northern Virginia. Oh wow! Which is but but see, and I hate saying this because it sounds so like cows, but like I am building a lot of wealth doing right. what I'm doing, and I I don't want the scrutiny that would come with like running for that public office. But the reason is because people are going, Nathan, young people don't appreciate like money. You need to come in and like help them understand there's a way to do it. Right. Like there's a way to make like re-energize well, them because and do this. Well, because they're taught that if somebody gets rich, that means somebody else got poor and cheated, that couldn't be or, further from the truth. Usually it means when somebody gets rich, a bunch of other people get opportunities to become 100%. rich. 100%. I mean, Zoom just IPO'd, Slack's going to IPO. They're creating thousands of millionaires. Right. Now that wealth still is a little concentrated, you know, from a, from a geopolitical perspective. Right. But we can work on ways to kind of, again, 
then create new jobs in new areas. But that all comes down to entrepreneurs in those cities launching companies. And if you have more regulation and someone that's not friendly to business running the country, that's not going to happen. So, I mean, there's I've built a lot of wealth under the current administration. I love it. I I hope to keep getting rich. That's why I love Trump. I love it. Because he's one of those people that he's unapologetic in in terms of being a capitalist. And he says, not only am I rich, I want everyone to be rich. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? I think Why are you voting for the person that says, not only am I poor, but I want everybody else to be poor? What a bizarre thing. Why are you standing behind socialism? It's literally somebody who is telling you that they are proud that they're poor and they figured out that how they can make everybody else poor. Candace, because if you're poor, you can be controlled. Right, I know. I mean, come on. Common sense, right? Common and, sense. And then these people believe it and they think that somehow it's going to be redistributed and they're going to get it. Nope. The only thing that is equal about socialism is you can guarantee that all of you are going to be poor. So why don't you find yourself a rich person, learn how you can become rich and stop being bitter about money mm-hmm. and and, and get a, become a part of it. This is America. So let me let me ask you a question because you are not shy and you're way smarter than me politically. Um, I think Trump wins in a landslide in 2020. You, when the economy is doing so well, right. you can't beat someone that's making everyone richer. Right. So if you were a Democrat running against Trump, how would you even try and attack that? I, I mean, they they don't talk about the economy. That's the last thing they ever want to do is talk about the economy, right? So what they try to do is use these emotional arguments. So instead, we're talking about uh, racism and sexism and mm-hmm. white supremacy and white nationalism because what they're trying to do is elicit an emotional response from people that they think are too stupid to understand economics. Yep. Um, so what they're really doing is undermining the voter. And, and they say, well, this voter doesn't understand the complexities of an economy. So all we have to do is sell them this emotion and we'll secure their vote. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, that has worked in the past, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think that with the birth of social media, with people that are having more open conversations, I know there are people on the left and the, and the right that listen to my podcast, and I'm unapologetic, and I speak about the economy all the time yeah. to help them understand. Uh, anybody that is telling you, talking to you about socialism, they are basically saying to you, we want to be able to make you poor and keep you poor. Yeah. Yeah, 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 or 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 you're rich and ourselves. make you and, and take your money and make you poor. Right. I mean, it's 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 crazy. It's, right. it's shocking to me. Right, and so. I'm even surprised that some of these people in Hollywood stand on the side of it because I mean. AOC, what did she say? Above eight million dollars, you you would have your money would be taken away. Maybe it was above ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, that's bye bye Hollywood. Okay, yeah. come on Kim K, come on Kanye, come on Ellen DeGeneres, come yep. on all of you late night talk shows. Your salaries are above that. Yep. So at, at a certain point, they're going to have to wake up and realize that you can you can play around all you want and you can think pretend that she's some cute child that's on your show, yep. but she's directly talking about your hard work. She's directly going to come after your money and none of you guys. I don't care how much you love to virtue signal, want people coming for all of your money. That you Does have this your surprise account. us though? I mean, a- it makes sense that AOC gets along with Hollywood because she's basically a paid actor. Well, she, yeah, that does make sense. I yeah. mean, you've done the research. I have. People, you can do your own research. Right. I'm like not that politically intelligent and I figured it out. Right. I mean, she tried a, out for Congress. Yes, she essentially tried out for Congress. Right. You can look up Justice Democrats. You can see how it all came together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's first off, it's scary that it worked. I know. I know. It is That's really scary. That's what's shocking to me. Yeah. So thank God for people like you that are trying to bring these issues up, put them to light, have good debates about them, and, and perpetuate this notion that again you should have ambition because it will reward you financially right and i think the number one thing that people that stand behind people like her or bernie sanders should demand is debate mm-hmm. so if they're so convinced that their candidate is correct you should want your candidate to stand up and debate people that you are convinced are wrong because mm-hmm. the truth is conservatives us capitalists, we will debate our ideas. I will sit across from any socialist and tell them to their face why I think they're wrong. 100%. There's this thing about socialists, though. They never want to debate capitalists. Really? Yeah. It's a weird thing. They Have you never tried to invite to any of them on the show? Oh, we offered AOC $100,000 to debate her ideas. And she wouldn't come on? No. I thought 
socialists love free money. She didn't take mine. Well, that's capitalism. She doesn't yeah. like money at no. all. Because, you know, it'd make her richer. Then her tax returns would be richer. And then she can't sell the whole poor mentality mm -hmm. and say, like, I'm one of you. Look at me putting together my Ikea table. She'd right. be, like, shopping restoration hardware. Right. I know. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> drinking wine and putting together my Ikea table. Exactly it's right. Like, it's like, whatever. If you want to sell that, that's fine. Right. So, so here's here's what we do to wrap up each episode. Hit me. Um, you get to look at that camera. Yep. And you get to launch a two-minute vibration, meaning that if every single person had to listen to your advice... This is the advice that you would give them. So pretend every person in the world, where there's like 7 billion of us, yeah. are going to hear this. That's, are you ready? That's a lot of people. And it Good. is a lot of people. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. Please don't mess up. Yeah. Okay. You've got the, okay, he's got the watch going. We good? On your mark, get set, go. Guys, what I would tell you is anyone you're debating with or listening to understand their bias, mine included. Like I was a white guy born in North America to a middle kind of middle income family. And a lot of the book is obviously written through that perspective. And so one of the things that I always do with no, no matter who I'm debating with is understand the bias first. It allows you to have better debate. But one thing that gets all of us stuck where we are is when you stop debating entirely. So I encourage you to think up new ideas, uh, take risks, understand that the machine that maybe worked for your parents truly does not work today and really consider things like are student debt worth uh, are they worth taking on do you really want a society where everything's given to you for free what motivation would you have in the morning to accomplish big things uh, Netflix would love this because you'd sit in front of Netflix all day however you would get no you know besides celebrating the latest Game of Thrones episode you would never get any kind of upside in terms of wow I accomplished something I created a job I gave someone else a job so they could feed their family and that's what capitalism is about so I encourage all of you guys to think about that in your lives. It typically starts if you're watching right now going, Nathan, this is great. Like, you know, I rarely tune into things like this because like I don't understand capitalism and you're going, how do I get to where you're going and where Candace is? And what I would tell you is limit expenses first. And I understand some people can't do that because of things like illness or things like that. But you do have control over a lot of stuff, right? Save on things. Don't buy a big house you can't afford. Keep your expenses low. Drive your income up higher. Save. And once you have a cushion of like six months, of your basic living expenses, go take a risk and do what you wanna do, the thing you're passionate about, whether it's launching a YouTube channel, launching a podcast or a business in my case, or traveling the world to help folks overseas for some cause that you're really passionate about. Save, use that buffer, go take a risk, and ultimately, in the end, capitalism will reward you. How close did he get? 12 seconds left. Oh my God, that was for amazing. Not even at that the was clock, really that's good. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on the Candace Owens show. This was great. That was so fun. Good. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for watching the latest episode of the Candace Owens show. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. As many of you guys already know, PragerU is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax deductible donation today. I would really appreciate your support.